Yes, hello. Before we go to the episode, I have a few things to talk about. First, I wanted to send a special thank you to all of my patrons. Thank you so much to Austin, Anthony, Kelly, Michael, Fandible, Roll Like a Girl, John, Dice for Brains, Minna, The Hydean Way, Re, Max, M.A.B., Long Live the Dungeon, Flying Grizzly, Adrian, The One Shot Network, Waffles, Megan, Ryan, Tavern Tales, Zachary, DC, The Transgender Language Primer, and The Broadswords. Your support is so appreciated, and I am so very grateful for you all. If you want to support the show and RPG casts, go to patreon.com slash RPG casts. Next. Oh, listeners. As you know, this past September, I undertook the biggest organizational and podcasting project ever. International Podcast Month was incredible, and I truly consider it a huge success. With just shy of 10,000 downloads, this was a month-long beast of incredible audio work. So first, a major thank you to the brilliant folks that were involved, those who partook, edited, voiced, wrote articles, and simply shared. This was such a beautiful project, and it was so much fun, and I'm so happy that so many of you took part. Next. Gosh, the listeners. 10,000 downloads is an amazing feat. I'm overjoyed and awed about how many of you tuned in. September was a weird month for me. I honestly, and laughingly naively, believed that September would be a break month for the main I Am Here show for me. I thought that I would get so much editing done and would be so ahead of the game to launch into season three immediately at the start of October. I 100% missed the mark with that one. Life has been incredibly busy and hectic outside of podcasting, and the combination of a busy international podcast month actually tipped me slightly over the edge. I was hit with a major burnout and needed to shut off social media and podcasting altogether for a little bit. I needed a break. I needed to spend lazy moments with my family and focus on recouping. I'm so used to being busy that I didn't recognize that I was too busy. I didn't recognize my own needs. And I'm being open and honest about this upfront because I want you to know that these things happen. I've pushed myself past the guilt of not getting episodes out to you earlier because it's okay to take a break. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to need time and space to recoup and refill those empty spell slots. I want you to know that you can do this too. If you need a break, take one. If you need help, ask. And as my friend Jeff Stormer says, self-care is radical and awesome. You deserve it. Take good care, darlings. And I hope you enjoy this beautiful episode with Megan from Tabletop Potluck. Welcome, Megan. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So, Megan, you are on a podcast called Tabletop Potluck. Why don't we jump right in and you can tell me about that? All right. Um, Tabletop Potluck is a podcast, a lot like a lot of podcasts that you talk about. It's a diverse cast. There's six of us. I don't think there's a single one of us that's not some sort of minority in the tabletop community. So that's cool. But that's just kind of how it ended up because that was just our friend group. And we showcase a bunch of different systems and play very short arcs of them and then make a bunch of food, have a little potluck for ourselves, and then discuss what we felt about the system so that listeners can know if it's something that they might be interested in trying out. 
it's a really unique way of doing it because there's a lot of different shows that have one shots that feature different systems um, or mini arcs, as it were. Uh, but the thing that I especially like about Tabletop Potluck is the way that you do those discussion episodes post game to actually discuss what you liked about the system, what you didn't like, what went well, what you maybe would have done differently. That's really neat because often you get either a discussion podcast or a podcast that does one shot and one shot arcs, or you get campaign shows. Rarely do I see a variation on that. And I really like that you guys do that. I really like it too. It's I know some people who only listen to one and don't like the other. So I like being able to have a show that you can offer to both people who just want to know about systems and people who just want to hear stories. You can say, oh, just skip the other thing that we do then or try it out and maybe you'll find out that you actually like it. Yeah. And and it also gives the option for somebody who does like stories um, to listen to an arc and be like, oh, I really loved this system. I don't really care about the discussion of this system or to be like, hmm, there were things that I liked, but things that I didn't like. I'm going to listen to this discussion and see see what it was all about. So when I listened to the Mouse Guard arc as an example, which was super fun, <laughs> I was really excited to listen to the discussion episode because I play Mouse Guard a lot and there are things I love about the system and things I find annoying about the system. And so it was really neat to hear that from a different group's perspective. Yeah, it's nice having some validation in things you might feel or... One thing I actually really like about our potlucks is I've had some episodes where we'll go on about how something is a little annoying to us and everyone that plays that game online will be like, oh, yeah, no, there was basically a consensus that you don't do that. And I go, oh, OK, thanks. I wish <laughs> I'd known that before. <laughs> well, but it also gives somebody who's never played the game that context of being like, oh, OK, if I'm going to play this, I'll leave that out. Exactly. Or on the flip side, oh, if I play that system, I'll make sure not to ignore this particular rule or mechanic. Right. There's just some things that can be a little tricky getting into new systems. I know that most of our group is actually way into everything that's not D&D <laughs> because D&D is just such a monopoly almost. Right. And I came into it as a D&D person. So there are so many times still, even when we're playing, where I'll compare it to D&D because that's my framework. And I know that that's the case for a lot of people. But the more that we've played, the more that I realize there are so many systems that I'll never come close to playing everything that's out there. And that's incredible. And I love it. Yeah, it's really neat how how those different perspectives, though, like provide a really great discussion point in your show, though, because with you having D&D as a framework, that frames it for people like me, who also the majority of the RPGs I play have been d and <laughs> It's It's the <laughs> easiest system to find a group for. It's yeah. the one that everyone's always playing. Yeah, You can exactly. always find it. Yeah, and it's also easy to get people into D&D well, maybe more so now than 10 years ago because of the sheer volume of content that exists online yeah. and in media for it. Absolutely. Now that it's not satanic anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me how you and your friends came up with Tabletop Potluck. Well, the I was actually a last minute addition to the crew because all of them were living in Chicago and I decided that I was going to move. 
And they all said, oh, hey, you love playing RPGs. Come join us. We'd love to have your voice. And I was like, this is awesome. I'm in. But they'd been discussing, and then I joined the discussions, how there are so many actual play podcasts out there, but the ones that we were all hearing about, while they were really good, they were all these straight white men who were just doing this, and we wanted to have more representation. We wanted to see people of color, and we wanted to see people who were queer, and we wanted more women, and so we decided that we would go out and do that. And the thing that was really funny to me was, because coming into this, I knew Adventure Zone, I knew Critical Role, and I loved both of them. But we were like, look at all these guys, and then Critical Role has some girls, but look at all these white people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Then as we joined communities like RPG casts, everything, we found more and more people were doing the same thing as us. And it was this incredible moment of realizing that there are so many of us and doing this awesome thing and showing representation and getting ourselves out there and being diverse that we just weren't hearing about them. And now that we are, it's just such a good community and it's so supportive. And I have a tendency to be competitive because that's how I was raised. (laughs) So I, as soon as I was like, oh, hey, we're not the only person doing this. I was like, oh God, am I going to hate all these people? (laughs) Like, Am I immediately going to be like, (laughs) it's us against them, but it's the complete opposite. And I just love all these people that I'm meeting who are doing this and I love their shows and I love their characters and I love collaborating and it's just so wholesome. It's been really neat seeing it all pull together and seeing it be so supportive. Uh, I even had kind of the same moment as you did uh, with a podcast that had been announced like a month before mine was going live (laughs) and I had already been recording all these interviews and I had already had everything prepped for it. I had music, I had like graphic assets and I had kind of the same moment where I was like, fuck, (laughs) (laughs) what's, what's the point? Like there's somebody else already doing that. And then it's kind of that moment where you're like, no, no, it's fine. My product, even though it's similar, is still going to be its own thing. It's still different because that person is not the same as me. We have different experiences and we can share the same spaces. And I think the sheer volume of podcasts that are out there is just an example of how many listeners really exist. Exactly, yeah. Most podcast listeners are not one podcast only listeners. (laughs) Many, many of them have huge lists of podcasts that they're listening to at any one time. Especially people who actually are making the podcasts. That's a yes. <laughs> our lists never end. <laughs> that is very true. Re- real problem. Real podcast <laughs> problem right there. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just indicative that that competition, there's a certain amount of healthy competition, which is awesome. Yeah. But you can share listeners and you can share the community. And I think that the healthier parts of the community really (laughs) showcase that. Yes. And that's the thing is I know that there have to be toxic people. There have to be toxic casts, things like that in this community. But I don't ever hear about them because I have a safe space like RPG casts and things like that and different Discord servers that are all 
very accepting and welcoming and care about people feeling safe there. I think more and more the online community kind of provides us as it has gotten bigger. It has also allowed all these pockets of safe space to exist, wherein perhaps before people talked on Reddit or they talked on Twitter. And those were kind of the only mediums people were using for a long time. And I think the more you can pick and choose what communities you're going to be a part of, like Discord servers have been an amazing addition to social media for that kind of interaction with the people who are creating the shows that you love or other creators meeting up to talk. And that's something that at least I definitely didn't see a decade ago, because a decade ago, I saw Reddit was the only place I could find conversations about D&D happening. And Reddit is not exactly (laughs) the friendliest place to be, especially as a woman. Yeah, I do not recommend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, with our, like our Discord chat has become in a big part, just people being like oh man we want to talk about our game and we're like do it we want to hear it (laughs) tell us and they're like oh really you care and i'm like oh yeah tell me how your masks game is going i want to know who's your mentor i want to (laughs) know i love hearing about other people's games and their characters it's so much fun to hear yeah that's that's i mean that's why we listen and create podcasts is because we love those stories so why wouldn't we want to read them from people who are like-minded yeah yeah exactly uh, you said that you had started out in D&D. Mm-hmm. What got you into D&D and or RPGs as a whole? <laughs> <laughs> or the, the larger variety of RPGs that are out there? Yeah, um, I actually feel like I came into the game pretty late with my personality and the kinds of things I like. I'm shocked I didn't start playing at a young age. And I am disappointed that I didn't start playing at a young age because I feel like there's so many more things that I could have played at this point. (laughs) But it started for me, I believe, seven years ago in college. And Marquez, who is also on Tabletop Potluck, was, I think he was my roommate at that point. And he was just like, hey, guess what? We're playing Dungeons and Dragons. And I was like, oh, why? He was like, because you haven't yet and you'd love it. And from that first session, I was smitten. (laughs) And I have been playing nonstop ever since. And uh, as we got older, Marquez started getting into things that weren't D&D. And every time he'd be like, this system's amazing. You should check it out. I'd either play it with him or with random folks online and be like, hey, you're right. Let's play everything now. That's awesome. Do you remember your first character in that first game? I do. Tell me about them. (laughs) My first (laughs) character uh, was very first character in my mind because she hit all of the usual like, oh, I have a tragic past. My parents died when I was young and now it's just me and my twin brother and now he's been kidnapped and I'm all alone. (laughs) And I was like, All right, yeah, that's a very, like, (laughs) beginner character. Hey, there's nothing wrong with tropes for a beginner character. It's very true. She ended up being, she was a halfling bard, and all of her songs were supposed to be songs that her grandmother sang to her and things like that. And she ended up really just being Frodo Baggins. (laughs) 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 We had this 
object of unlimited power that was super dangerous and villains were chasing after it and she was the one who carried it she kept it in the bag of holding around her neck (laughs) (laughs) i love that the thing is though is like inspiration we get to tell our own stories has to start somewhere exactly and starting with something like that that maybe you knew so well (laughs) is cool that's awesome i don't I think it's fine to play characters (laughs) like that because sometimes you don't have your own ideas just yet and you do need to borrow the seeds of a story from somewhere else, especially in, you know, role playing where it does, you know, copyright doesn't matter. Exactly. And inspiration is not something that you should be annoyed with. There were people in that group that we didn't recognize that their characters were kind of just reskins of characters that they actually played in video games that were like named after characters of video games and everything (laughs) and we just had never played the game so we were just like ah yes of course and then like three years later they're like oh yeah no that was just that character from this old nes game and i was like are you kidding me (laughs) they were so cool and they're like yeah i mean that's what it was though Yes, Link, a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> ah, I've never met you before. You said you were from Hyrule? <laughs> what an interesting land that sounds. Like, terrible that you had some monster take it over. <laughs> I believe his name was Ganondorf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I love that, though. That that kind of thing. Beginner characters are always so much fun. I actually don't remember my first character because I tried 3.5 to start with and hated it. Oh, ours was 4E, so I was just overwhelmed, but it was fun. <laughs> you know, I have the argument that... So I tried 3.5E once, and then mm-hmm. we went to 4th Ed because 4th Ed had just come out. Mm-hmm. So I'm also, like, not a old-school RPGer from, you know, 2nd Edition or something. Yeah. But I have the argument that despite all of its problems, 4E was a wonderful introduction for people who have never played any RPG before. I absolutely agree. Yeah, I felt like there was a lot that I could do. And I think that was the only campaign I actually played that was in 4th edition. It's also, I think, the only campaign I've ever finished because most fall apart as you must well know as someone who plays rpgs yeah i have never finished a campaign ever not once i'm i've been really lucky with my rpg groups the first one that was the finished campaign it was a theater group like we were all in the same theater company (laughs) that's amazing so we were stuck with each other every day anyway yeah. So we were like, and eh, rehearsal's over. Let's just go home and play D&D. <laughs> so it works out perfectly. And we weren't going anywhere. So yeah, I we were able that. to finish it. And then I now have a group. I have Tabletop Potluck. And then on top of that, I have a group that meets still every single week. We've been going just for a year, but that's still nice. And half of the group is actually more than half the group is just my family members. It's my mom and my brother and I. And then my boyfriend and one of our friends. I love that. It's so good. So who's the GM? Uh, our friend. Okay. I love that you play D&D with your mom. That's fantastic. She, or if it's D&D. It is D&D. Okay. It's, it's 5e. She's, we, she just, she'd never played before. She started, she listened to us have our first session last year and she just had surgery. 
So she was really spaced out <laughs> because of all the drugs. <laughs> but she was just like, man, that sounds fun. Maybe I can play someday when I'm not, like, restricted to a bed. And we were like, yeah, next week. Get in here. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So what's her first character? Her first character <laughs> is a shifter warlock who is super antisocial almost got a bunch of children killed because she will not cooperate Oof. with the enemy she <laughs> is just hey let's kill them or let's leave <laughs> and we go oh <laughs> but she has also had a tough life as many of our first characters have <laughs> of course I-, I think it's awesome that she's playing a warlock i always feel like um casters are a really hard first character to play as somebody who's never played an rpg before that's what i said to her and she was like uh no but it's cool and i was like yeah mom you're you're real cool she she is so i was just like fair that is fair you're gonna be this like half cat person warlock go for it man i love that that's awesome (laughs) so i guess what was your first non-dnd game I believe that my first non-D&D game was Mouse Guard. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, cool. I, as as you probably know, have <laughs> such a soft spot for Mouse Guard. I adore it. It's so good. I'm, as I believe we kept in our discussion <laughs> for Mouse Guard, I believe we kept it in and didn't cut it. I'm the person who David Peterson comes to our local convention every year oh, and yeah? every year i'm always just like oh hey david peterson i'm gonna spend half of one of the days at your booth and just sit here and just <laughs> try to talk to you and have you be like okay strange girl who's very excited you're just like david peterson be my friend every year for half a day yeah basically that leads me to ask is mouse guard your favorite rpg i feel like that's so hard for me to pick now it used to be really easy because i'd only played D and mouse guard and i'd be like well for the atmosphere and the world i much prefer mouse guard but mechanics i just am so comfortable with D. and now i'm like all right there's a million more systems that i'm now aware of and like <laughs> 12 more that i've played yeah <laughs> so i have been racking my brain today trying because i knew that this would be asked. I knew you'd bring it up. And I was like, <laughs> what am I going to say? I'd say as a group, Tabletop Potluck really loves masks. Okay. It's very obvious. Uh, just if you were to know us in real life, there's constantly at least one mask game being planned off air. And when that one can't work, then someone else is like, well, I guess I'll start a campaign. <laughs> <laughs> and... So that's a lot of fun, and I do really enjoy masks, but I also really like darker games. I like I the game that I want to play more than like anything in the world is Dread. Oh, and you've never played it? I've never gotten a chance to play it. Okay, I introduced you know how many it- people I've interviewed now who have said they have never had a chance to play Dread? Like I just need to get y'all together. Yeah, how how are we gonna make this happen? Who's who's what's what's the middle ground for us to meet? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We need to um, find some way to get everybody who I've talked to in the same room to play Dread. (laughs) I would die. I'd be so happy. (laughs) 
I introduced it to my best friend and like two months months later she was like oh I'm going to DM it for some of my friends at school and I was like but I'm not there (laughs) so I helped her come up with it and it sounds like it was amazing and I'm just like waiting still and everyone's told me that once we've been going long enough and have the equipment to we'll do like a live charity stream or something and we can play dread so i'm just waiting yeah biding my time awesome i love the concept of dread because it's one of the only systems that i know of that doesn't just rely on luck yeah you ha- there is actually skill to it yeah and exactly. i'm horrible at jenga and i want to play so bad <laughs> <laughs> so how do you find now because you said you only got into rpgs about seven years ago or so how do you find rpgs influence your life your daily life your online presence your how how do you think they actually influence or affect the way that you are or vice versa i feel like a lot of people will say that they become more confident and i feel like i've become more confident but almost to the point of like i'd like to say a healthy amount of like not giving a shit what people think about you because I know when I first started playing, because a lot of people, a couple, like a decade ago even, it was very nerdy. <laughs> and Dungeons and Dragons was the thing that the nerd kids did, and you didn't want to be a nerd. Right. So, but now I will go into my office where literally zero people there have ever played an RPG. And people will be like, so what are you doing tonight? And I'm like, I'm working on my podcast recording an RPG about superheroes. And they're like, <laughs> what? That's really, that sounds really dorky. And I'm like, yeah, it does. It's great. And they're like, okay, but I just feel fine. <laughs> and before I would just be like, I'm going to go sit at home alone. I'm not doing anything. But now I'm just like, no, I'm comfortable with who I am and what I like. And it's this, take it or leave it. I love that. That's awesome. I really love it too. It's become it's just a really nice thing to be able to feel confident in the things you like and not trying to hide them because that's such a waste of time and energy if it's something that you enjoy fully enjoy it yeah for sure i need to borrow some of that confidence from you (laughs) there don't worry it wanes a lot because that's how humanity works (laughs) yeah but yeah overall i'm a lot more in touch with what I care about and I'm willing to go, yeah, hey, I'm going to post photos of my cosplays online. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to promote my podcast. I'm going to do all these things that I care about and try to let other people enjoy it just as much as I do. What a wonderful way for it to influence your life. You know, like you hear about you're right, a decade ago, things were so nerdy, you didn't talk about it, or there's that level of judgment but I, I love that it can provide that level of confidence and that level of self-assuredness. I think that's an awesome way for it to for it to influence your life. I have to say I'm happy with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And for some people, it's RPGs give them the ability to explore parts of themselves that maybe they don't feel safe exploring in their in-person life real life um well other people say that it allows them to explore aspects of themselves that they wish that they had or 
whatnot. How how do you feel about that? How do you feel your own self influences the characters that you play, either as a PC as a PC or as GM? As I've been saying since my first character that all of my characters take at one aspect of my personality and amplify it. And actually just having this conversation with you right now, I just realized how much my characters show my growth and my change in my confidence because my first character was that very sad, very lonely halfling. My second character was narcissistic, but it was very obvious that she was faking it and she wasn't actually very good at many things and she was terrified of being alone. And as my characters have grown and continued, my current ongoing character is this bright, happy, wants to be friends with everyone, but if you don't like her, then she'll be sad about it for a second, but she'll go, okay, it's not for you then. And she'll move on and she just sees good in most things and i'm like oh man i'm actually really touched right now (laughs) like i try to make my characters out of where i feel in the moment when it comes to my long form campaigns and it's shown a really nice progression for myself as a person i think that's really delightful that you can trace your own personal growth in the characters that you've played over the years that's amazing i love that (laughs) i'm like wow i one i'm like one of those people that's like that dog commercial but like i'm like i'm kind of tearing up right now (laughs) (laughs) that's okay so am i i think that's really delightful it's so wholesome (laughs) so pure (laughs) i love that ah that's amazing and then for like Everyone in Tabletop Potluck, it's a very queer group of people. So since everyone in Tabletop Potluck is queer, all of our characters, well, at least all of our campaigns tend to include that because why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we represent ourselves? And it's been, I know it's been really good for a lot of people like our non-binary players can play non-binary characters or can play males or can play females and just feel comfortable with whatever they want to be showing at that time and there's no judgment and we like having a range of sexualities and it's just a very partly just because our group is that we just know it's a safe space and we can just be ourselves or try to be more like each other and understand each other and the things and feelings and hardships and victories that we all go through. Yeah, I think that's really great. I love the way that RPGs can help us celebrate who we are and celebrate each other and be able to move through worlds that we wish we could move through in our daily life. Absolutely. So I love that you can have a world that exists without racism or a world that exists without any kind of transphobia or have worlds where the narratives of parents disowning their children for coming out of the closet doesn't exist exactly yeah or those sorts of very well often poorly used narratives in mainstream media where 
the there's a strong female character, but her downfall is a man or, right. <laughs> you know, these two amazing characters are gay and in love, but one of them has to die. Yeah, one has to die or it, they're, they have to be surrounded in negativity and almost break up because of it. And then. Right. Instead of just living and being. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Instead of just living and being. And I feel like RPGs give us that outlet to be able to have our characters still go through hardships and such because RPGs are RPGs and we want to fight monsters <laughs> and such. But you can play these worlds where those sorts of toxic and damaging narratives that are hurtful and stereotypical don't have to exist. Yeah, we have had actually a couple situations where that's either been brought up to us or we've just encountered in a system like in Endless Realms, which we love. There, in the lore, it says that the Almiran, who are bunny people, are all female. And Charlotte saw that and went, well, screw that, I'm a trans man then. Right. Because, no, that's not how any species or race or anything should be. You can't right. just say that since you all look that way, you're all females. Right, exactly. And then we had our Call of Cthulhu campaign, which was set in the 20s. And I had listeners say, well, you know, if it's the 20s, they shouldn't be so openly gay or a black person shouldn't be a professor. And I said, but it's not the 20s. It's an RPG game. And there's enough discrimination in reality. Why should we have to bring that into our fun? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a your example of the 20s is great because there are certain time periods that I think are awesome to bring in in terms of their themes and their styles, whether it's the music or the costuming or lifestyle without the negative aspects <laughs> exactly without it being a patriarchal society so the game good society which is an rpg yes, yes. set in jane austen's world you can play it without the patriarchy yeah and i think it does a great job of setting up that option of like hey here's a world where you can play all the things you love about that time period without encountering the toxic aspects of what real life actually encompassed in that time exactly we're not here to be a historical recreation exactly we are our own thing and it's like okay if it's the cthulhu mythos guys it's not reality <laughs> as far <laughs> exactly. as i'm aware it, it's not real it's fantasy. It's Yeah, if there's a giant tentacle <laughs> monster who wants to take over your brain, then... We can say that it's okay to be gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's one of the reasons why I think so many people gravitate toward RPGs is that ability to play worlds that don't exist, whether it's because you want to play in a world where there are dragons or whether it's because you want to play in a world where... There are dragons and racism, homophobia, <laughs> ableism doesn't exist. Yeah. So I think that that's, I don't know, it's just such a cool thing about RPGs that I love. Same. Absolutely. In games that you play, is there anything that you find that is missing that the designers could have or should have included that you feel you see regularly that you wish existed or that you purposely change the rules in, in game to allow for? I think that a lot of it comes down to the writing of the rule book because 
once you start, like, there are some games where the makers have specifically made it, I'm trying to remember which rule book it was, but there was one that we played where they made all of the pronouns she, her. So whenever they describe a character's actions, they would say, yeah, so she would do this. And just that little step was just so nice. I'm just saying like, oh, hey, you're not just automatically going to say, yes, obviously it's a man in this scenario. But I feel like whenever you bring in to the lore of a world, that that's the main thing is if you write it into the lore, then that's what people are going to assume it is. Because there are so many people who want to play the game raw as written right and if you say well this man and it's always been a line of men in charge and women are quiet the women of this species are quiet and the orc men are giant and huge and the orc women look like the (laughs) world of warcraft movie where it's just a human who's green with big boobs and you're like "Uh, okay why though right like why'd you have to write that you didn't you could have just left that out and we could decide like there we've had a big discussion actually in our group on the racism of the description and treatment of monstrous races in Dungeons and Dragons and particularly orcs and I know a lot of people who will say well orcs are written that they are always bad so I will never have a good orc and I'm like that's boring yeah that's boring though and the thing is that that problem isn't necessarily the reader's fault because the truth is that that is what they read as the rule of the game that they're playing. And there's almost this acceptance of monstrous races as being weird and strange and bad and because they're monsters. And so because they're monstrous, we we should hate them. Right. That's that's why in our podcast of foes episode, so many of us said, okay, well, we're going to play monstrous races in this. And we're going to be fun, loving people who just happen to be a Yuwanti or just happen to be Gith. Right. And I think it's important to show because otherwise, what's the point of making monstrous races playable? Exactly. You, you, you don't want a campaign where you can't have a character be whoever they want to be. Yeah, exactly. I think it's an important thing that you bring up is how things are written. Readers will take in a very specific way. So if you purposely say he in everything, people are going to innately make the assumption that men must be in charge mm-hmm. or that it is a patriarchal society. Yes, The silly thing I find about that is we already have a pronoun that is encompassing of all people. And no one will use it for some reason. (laughs) Why why don't people use they, them? Because that encompasses all genders. It's it's such a simple change Mm -hmm. that if if every game decided to just change their rulebook and say that, it would not only make it so that the players and the GMs could say, okay, um, the rules didn't specifically state this, so I'm not going to automatically assume that men run this world. And so the players or prospective players looking at it won't go, oh, it's all he's. This is a boy's game. Why am I doing this? This game isn't for me. Yeah. And I think that first impression you have as a book, it's automatically going to have people say this is for me or this is not for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or the mechanics. If you're just like, so if player A wants to do this, then they will do the, they will roll intelligence. Right. Not, so if player B wants to do this, he's going to do that. Oh, how come player B's a boy? Yeah. How come, how come 
I'm not player B. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want so I I try so hard on Kickstarter to find more queer creators and things like that. There are so many times when I'll see a campaign. Does anyone? I just want to see as many different stories as possible from people's perspectives and how they want their world to be. And there are so many times when I'll go, oh, this one, this game looks interesting. It looks like it might be from a person of color and based in their (laughs) situation, based in their worldview. And I'll click it and I'll go, oh, this is a white guy from Norway. He is not that culture. Yeah. And he is... Now I feel instantly (laughs) about this game. Yeah. Because it's it's like people, well, I, I, I just wish that one, I just wish, we all wish that more diverse people could be getting their stuff out there and be more popular for it so that everyone else could consume that media. But if the people who actually have their stuff out there could make their works more inclusive, that's at least something. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I guess that leads to you already answering my question of what do you want to see change in the RPG community and world? And it sounds as if just making games more accessible by using the language that is accessible. Yeah, that's that's literally the easiest thing that I can see that I would want. Otherwise, it's bring more people of color, bring more LGBTQ, bring more, bring more people of different backgrounds into spotlights where they can actually tell their stories and, and be make their stories yeah, exactly because it's there's so many of us and but that are doing that and there's so many podcasts that i'll listen to that i'll go dang get it get it women get it everyone and yeah but they're not going to be getting the listens that like taz or critical role are getting right Yeah, it would be nice if some of the more mainstream content providers like Geek and Sundry or what have you could have a show that is all LGBT or a mix of LGBT and people of color or just people of color to really spotlight and help make as popular as the game that by look is all cis white folk. Exactly. Like I am one of those people who will defend Critical Role and I'll say, well, they were a home game. Absolutely. I like Critical Role as well. (laughs) Yeah. And they are, there are at least two of them are bi. But the fact that, like, I'm on Geek and Sundry's Alpha subscription, and so I get to see all of their extra shows and content, even ones that you can't find on their main site. And there aren't any that are a bunch of people of color and a bunch of queer people. And I'm waiting. I'm just waiting because they have that platform and they should use it. Yeah. Like, I feel like Black Panther should be an example of the fact that there are people willing to watch and people wanting to watch and people wanting to invest their money into diverse shows. Yeah. And and if I know that some people are like, well, why do they have to get political about it? And I was like, well, for one, they don't. They literally were just saying, just have a show. Yeah. It's not saying have a show where you talk about how you need more representation, but hey, if that comes up, that's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's true. Yeah, exactly. But like, just give them the chance, like just make it so that more people go, oh, it's not like, oh, it's that straight white boy game. Yeah. And that's the thing is, I've said it before and and I'll keep saying is that the, the stereotype of the cis 
at white boy living in his parents' basement, playing D&D, who is overweight and eats cheesies and drinks Mountain Dew and has braces, is a horrible stereotype for so many people, including the cis white male. Exactly. Like, there are so many. I keep being like, come on, straight white men. And then I'm like, okay, but like, I know so many who are doing this that I look up to. Yeah. And whose work I love. Exactly. And <laughs> and that's the thing is like the whole begging for more representation and diversity and inclusion of these marginalized groups isn't about excluding. Exactly. It's more for everyone. Exactly. It's just the default is white cishet man and then next it's white cishet woman. And can we just make that not the default? Can we just go farther down the list a little bit? <laughs> yeah, Mix it up? Exactly. So you had mentioned that your experience in the RPG community has been largely positive because of the online community that you've entered into and the community that you have in your real personal life. Have you found that your experience has always been positive or have you found that it has evolved over time or do you ever find yourself still encountering toxicity in the community? I feel like I've been pretty lucky and I haven't much I haven't gotten much from the actual community itself. Usually, I mean, there have been the times when <laughs> it's like, oh, hey, you're a, like, cis-looking girl in the game shop. Like, you you buy dice? What do you play? And, like, let's flirt and stuff. And I'm like, I'm just here to buy dice. Yeah. But that's sadly just more of a typical living interaction and doesn't necessarily even have to do anything with rpgs that just happened to be the location right so i don't feel like the rpg community itself has been really that bad for me and i know so many people who have had a really hard time but even in the online groups of strangers that I've played with, I've been really lucky. And some of them have ended up being really close friends of mine. And just no matter where they're from, just really understanding and supportive and inclusive. And the main negativity that I have ever gotten has been from people outside of the RPG community looking in and still judging it. Right. I mean, that's a that's not a bad place to be for the RPG community. Exactly. <laughs> not ideal. I'm not but... complaining. <laughs> <laughs> I know it could be a lot harder. So yeah. I am counting myself as lucky. And I think it's about who we choose to interact with in the online spaces. Because like I said before, I think that with the variety of online spaces that exist now means that we can really pick and choose where we want to interact with yeah. folks in the community. That's that's the one thing that I've really liked about World 20 uh, for online gaming is the system of applying to games. So you actually kind of get a lowdown of who the person is and what kind of what kind of attitude they might bring to the game and how open they're going to be and if they're just gonna be a horrible person you can just go oh you're not in my game then yeah before it even starts and they have any chance to hurt someone yeah that's a really cool thing i like that roll 20 provides that structure to be able to do that yeah and i mean it's it's not foolproof because nothing can be no of course not but it definitely makes a difference 
because I I know that at least some of the people in the big the game online game I played for the longest, which was also a game GM'd by Marquez, <laughs> <laughs> because I tend to just kind of follow him when it comes to tabletop games, and I know that there were a lot of a lot of the people that when they applied were like hey, so I'm queer and I want this. I only want to be in this game if it's safe. He's like, you're in then. We're in. We're doing this. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So it ended up being a really awesome group of people. So That's awesome. Really good. I'm glad yeah. that you've had mostly positive experiences. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, is there anything else that you want to touch on or want to talk about about your experiences or about being the representation with tabletop potluck that you want to see and that you like to see is there anything else you wanted to touch on about any of that in particular i think i just want to put the message out there of if there's something that you're able to change go out and change it if you're saying i wish that there were rpgs that included a non-binary or trans dynamic in the actual core, then do it. Make make a mod of a game, hack a game, or start from scratch. If you want more representation in podcasting, do whatever you can to do it, even if it's just you talking about it. Just anything to help support the people who are doing it. See if they want guests or to collaborate, because that's always a really cool thing that I'm really hoping that Tabletop Potluck gets to start doing soon. And by soon, probably like next year, because, you know, that's how <laughs> record. That's what soon means when you're recording. <laughs> and you have a huge blast backlog, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But just don't give up and just go out there and mm, it's RPGs, so you can make of it what you want. So don't be afraid to. That's perfect. I love that. Thank you so much for joining me today, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. This is an awesome conversation. This is the part of the show where I'm going to tell you about some of my favorite current podcasts. I'm going to give you two shows that I'm hooked on. One recommendation will always be an RPG podcast, and the other might be something totally different. So, are you looking for something else to listen to while you're waiting for the next episode of I Am Here? I highly recommend, of course, Tabletop Potluck, an RPG actual play that will make you laugh, introduce you to new games through play, and take it apart and digest it with something delicious to follow. This show is diverse and delightful, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Since it's October, I'm betting that you want something Halloween-y. Well, if you're looking for some spooky myths, legends, and folklore with a twist of lemon, a dash of bitters, and a healthy dose of your favorite liqueur, you can stop looking. Spirits is your go-to for a boozy conversation on the topic. It's entertaining, has an adequate amount of creep, and is one of my favorite talk shows of all time. I hope you enjoy this week's recommendations. See you next week. Support for the I Am Here podcast, presented by RPG Casts, is made possible by listeners like you. You can help the show going for as little as $1 a month when you become a patron on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash rpgcasts to check out exclusive rewards for patrons and to make your pledge. The intro and outro music for I Am Here was composed by Emily E. Mayo. Special thanks to Peter Grelly for designing the graphic art and assets for both RPG Casts and for I Am Here. 
Thank you so much for listening. It means so much.